with Balloon on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, we have left the players. We are across the street. There's no place I'd rather be. Mr. Chubby's Wings, Ponavidra, once again, play suspended second round coverage of the Players' Championship, and Mother Nature did not do its job. Great to have you with us alongside Dylan Denmark. My name's Rick Bully with you tonight for the next couple of hours. Again, live from our normal Thursday hangout throughout the course of the college and NFL season. That's Mr. Chubby's. It's the old bogey's grill. What an unbelievable operation this place is. 40 television sets, all right, tabletops, family-type atmosphere. I have two-for-one drafts. That includes Miller Lite, all domestics. Two-for-one pitchers. That includes Miller Lite. $3 wells, $3 wines. That's going to rock tonight till 8 o'clock. We have a Cheers-like bar, and let me tell you, the gallery has made its way from the players over here to Mr. Chubby's Wings. Everyone having a good time. And that's what it's all about, this event. Um, you know, I, I, I'm saddened by the delay. Uh, you know, I'm not going to be one of those, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. But I, I, I told you so, all right? You wanted to move the event back to, to March. And since that did happen in 2019... We have never gone four rounds without a suspension, whether it be because of darkness and or the weather. And it was the case in 2019. It was the case in 2020. As we know, obviously, COVID um, played a huge factor uh, in that. Uh, in 2021 and then again last year, I mean, you didn't even complete the first round until Saturday, late Saturday morning. It took more than 55 hours to complete the first 18 holes of golf. Uh, they had to clean things up on this Friday morning. There were 21 golfers who did not finish yesterday. So they went out, uh, completed their round. Second round uh, got underway. 144 golfers. That was, uh, you know, diminished by one uh, to 143 uh, because of the tummy ache that the number one ranked player in the world had. John Rahm, unable to give it a go this afternoon so he is out looks like the cut line is going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of plus one could possibly drop to plus two it's been a really interesting day out there if you look at the first wave okay their shots were up nearly two strokes from what we saw a day ago all right it was 72 and some change i want to say it was like a matter of fact let me look back on it happen to have it right here yesterday the scoring average was 72.4 throughout the course of the first wave. Then it went deep into the night. Scores got worse. It got to like 72.8, 72.9. Today, the first wave, 72 golfers went out. Uh, they recorded an average score of 74.53. But what was really interesting is, believe it or not, before they called off second, you know, the second round action, scores began to get better later in the day so those like Chad Ramey who was your leader after 18 holes and Colin um, Morikawa they took advantage of what ended up being 
kinder uh, late afternoon playing conditions where you would have thought it would have been the exact opposite. You know, just the wear and tear of the round, obviously the wind picking up and, and more of a swirling wind today. It was more humid today. Uh, the overall temperature was up about six or seven degrees compared to Thursday's round. But that was really the major conversation piece all week long. How much would what we saw yesterday turn around today where you go early late or you go late early? And as I've said many times this week, 13 out of the last 15 players champions have gone early on Thursday and then gone late on Friday. Well, really set up, uh, set up well uh, for that type of uh, situation out here today during the Players' Championship. As a matter of fact, that first wave, you only had five golfers who shot in the 60s. Okay, that's 72 players. Five who shot in the 60s. You had six who shot in the 80s. So 80s, in the 80s, was a more popular score today than in the 60s. Uh, Will Gordon, the best, so far today, the best overall score, uh, a five under 67 for Will Gordon. So, a lot of thoughts in uh, your opinion as well. Uh, we'll hear from you as we uh, do broadcast live from Mr. Chubby's. As always, the best way to get a hold of us. A couple of ways, all right? First off on Twitter, uh, Baloo1010XL. You can also get me on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. That number is 641-1010. All right, the golf gods uh, awoke today, and they were not kind and that certainly involved your first-round leader, Chad Ramey, who, you know, really came out and played some good golf. Let me, let me go. I think he birdied two out of his first three holes. Let me pull up the leaderboard here on Ramey, who obviously, you know, went off uh, the backside first. That's exactly what he did. He parred 10, then Chad Ramey with birdies on 11 and 12. He got his first bogey. Okay, he had a clean card yesterday with eight birdies and, and zero bogeys. He was one of only two golfers. He, along with Colin uh, Morikawa, were the only two not to notch a birdie on Thursday. Today on 13, he uh, unfortunately put up a four on the par three 13th. So everyone in the field has at least one bogey. And the last two get that, again, was uh, Chad Ramey earlier today on his fourth overall, hole, uh, fourth overall hole, playing the back first, so that would have been number 13. Came in on 14, 15, and 16, and wasn't perfect, but was smooth enough to get out of there with par, par, and par. Then disaster hit. 145 yards, a wedge, 17 today, I think was a little bit misleading. At last look, I had 18 balls, 18 original balls, not drops, because Ramey would drop and hit into the water for a second time. But I had 18, the last that I heard, and th there were 18 total balls in the water yesterday. All right, the complete round on Thursday. I don't know if anyone else who completed that Thursday round uh, early Friday morning, if if anyone there uh, went into the drink on 17. I'm, I'm not aware of that. But I will tell you that up until Chad Ramey got there, uh, 18 in the water on 17, and 12 of those, believe it or not, were short of the green. 
So, you know, we've seen all sorts of crazy stuff. Certainly a year ago, the wind was absolutely ridiculous. But it feels like when you miss at the players, you either hit the firm green, back, you know, the back part of the green, and you're going to bounce off the back. Or you're going to skirt towards the right. You're going to miss it. The, the, the classic Sunday pin placement. We've you know, seen what Ricky Fowler has done when he made up five strokes on that Sunday a few years ago. You can even go to when David Duvall, um, his unbelievable shot right of the pin on a Sunday back in 1999, one of the, uh, the great pressure shots that, that we have ever seen here at the Players' Championship. So Ramey gets up, he looks comfortable, okay? Then all of a sudden, I'm sure it's filling his head. You're 225th ranked in the world. The gallery starts to kick up a little bit. Bam, in the water again, deep. Hit the, uh, the back part of the green, rolled in. Moves up to the drop zone, 98 yards out. Same exact shot, same exact result. Hits the back part of the green after the pin, rolls off. Um, he then finally, on his third attempt, which would have been what? One in, drop two, hit three, four in, drop five. His fifth shot, he leaves it about 20, I'm guessing 20, 25 feet away from the cup. It's an uphill putt. Uh, he, it draws by the pin, left him, you know, two and a half, three feet on the backside. So it was a two putt for him, but it ended up being a quadruple seven. Quadruple seven for Chad Ramey, who at the time was nine under par, and after posting a seven, fell all the way to number five. And then he went to 18. And that's, that's the thing that's lost in this, okay? Navigating your way through 17 is so incredibly intimidating. I think if you ask these golfers, it's, it's not that hard of a hole. I mean, again, you're talking about 147 yards out. These guys pin hunt. It's just the pressure of the water that surrounds it, and obviously the fans uh, who are there and all the eyeballs are on you, but 18 is a much tougher hole. And if you are rattled on 17 and you get to the 18th tee box, uh, that can be a major distraction. And really, as expected, what happened? He went way right, okay, past the fans, uh, past the... Uh, uh, the, you know, the, the, the cart, if you will, the cart path, and uh, was actually able to make a pretty good second and third shot on the green in three, and he rolled in a 30-foot putt in order to save par. So, you know, you're talking about a situation where he could have gone five over par on 17 and 18. He was able to savage that particular putt and get out of there at minus four. So overall today, Chad Ramey, your leader from uh, one day ago uh, ends up going. And, and unfortunately for him, he did bogey his first hole as he made the turn. So he actually went out with a 39, which is a plus three after two birdies. Had a bogey on 13. Again, a, a quadruple, bird, a quadruple uh, bogey on 17 and then a bogey on 18. So... That is the major highlight of this Friday afternoon. The flip side of it all is Christian Buzazenhout. Yeah, but Buzz Aidenhout. Easy enough for me to say. He was actually your leader uh, here at the Players' Championship during the first round 
of the event that ended up being canceled because of COVID. And what a solid round for him this afternoon. He has made up a ton of ground. And all of a sudden, you look at where he sits, uh, tied with um, the young man out of Canada, that is Adam Svensson, uh, both shooting eight under par, four under today through 14, uh, through uh, Bazaid. Let me try that again. Bazaden out, and Svensson as well, through 11 holes today, is four under par as well. So they will be your on-course leaders once play does resume. Coming up tomorrow, again, four holes left um, for Bezadenhout, and Svensson has seven holes still left to play to complete the overall second round. Overall scoring a day ago, 109 over par on Thursday. We'll wait to get the results in on this Friday, and again, it is not complete, but it's going to be interesting to see how things were, uh, you know, according to par once they get an opportunity to tally everything up that has taken place during the amount of action that they were able to play here during this second round. You know, I've, I, I've heard some complaints, and I would expect that, all right? You, you love this event. You want to see the best golfers in the world. And it was frightening yesterday, in my opinion, okay? And I'm not going to try to sell it any differently to you. I, when, when, when you go to an NFL game, you want to see the best players make plays. When you go to a hockey game, you want to see the best players make plays. The NBA, Major League Baseball, you know, it goes on and on and on. That, that's what you want to do. And to see what happened yesterday, six out of the top 11 golfers, okay? I, I should say it this way, actually. Uh, six, five of the 11 players who were tied for sixth or better, first-timers. Think about that for a moment. Top 11 scores, which ended up being tied for six. The top 11 players, five of the 11, nearly 50%, came out and played this golf course yesterday. It was their first round ever. And you know what? I'm all about a good story. Here we are entering the month of of Cinderella, and, you know, next Thursday, which, by the way, will be at Mr. Chubby's out on uh, Fleming Island next Thursday for the first round of the NCAA tournament. So uh, the good folks out in that neck of the woods will see you there next Thursday. Uh, But we all love a Cinderella story, right? We love it when some directional school or someone that we're not even aware of comes out of nowhere and, and knocks off a heavy and, You know, we saw a major underdog win in the UFC this past Saturday night in the women's division. It was like plus 700 to the dollar. It was a major upset. Uh, Yeah, you know, once in a while in golf, it's nice to see a guy that isn't necessarily a household name make a run. I mean, I just spent five minutes on Chad Ramey. It's a pretty good story, right? It's pretty cool. But five of them, five of the top 11 guys that have never played out here before, no. To me, that smells. To me, that has fans. And I've received this reaction from PGA Tour fans. What's going on? Why is it this way? What has happened uh, to these players? Why are they at the Live Tour? And the end result is what I just mentioned. For what it's worth, those five, Chad Ramey, as we've talked an awful lot about, Ben Griffin, all right, his first ever event yesterday, tied for third, 
Uh, Justin Sue, who I also heard Justin Suh. I heard that on, uh, on radio today, on the PGA Tour radio. I don't know if it's true or not. Again, it's the first time he's ever played here. His first ever event, Min, uh, Minwoo Lee, who yesterday, unfortunately for him, it was one of the first times I've, I've ever seen a golfer on the PGA Tour uh, deal with a significant calf injury. And that was the case for him uh, one day ago. His first ever Players Championship. Also, uh, Adam Svensson. And right now he's tied for the lead with seven holes to go. So he's completed 10, right? Or he's completed uh, 11 holes plus his 18 yesterday. He's tied for first. This is his first ever uh, players. So, you know, youngsters and then others who played one or two years respectively include Taylor Pendrith, Colin Morikawa, uh, Denny McCarthy, really the, the leader of the bunch uh, who has played three, Scotty Scheffler and Sam Burns. Remember, Scotty Scheffler didn't even make the cut. Uh, the first time that he came out here and played in 2021, last year he was tied for 55th place, but he has put himself in pretty good shape, at least early on here, as we're not even at the halfway point through the 2023 uh, Players' Championship. In the case of Chad Ramey, all right, we've had 15 first-round leaders go on to win the Players. And... As what has been discussed around here for really ever, as long as you score well on Thursday and you score well on Friday and put yourself in contention, you have a real good opportunity to win this event. Coming from behind does happen time and again. Last time a first-round leader won the players was in 2018 when Webb Simpson did that. Last year, uh, Tommy Fleetwood... If you're wondering, he was your first-round leader with a, let's see, it was a 6-under 66. Cameron Smith, my point, right, only three strokes behind. A 69 for Cameron Smith. Last year, he was in real good shape through 18 holes, playing at 3-under par. So if you look at the leaderboard and you have a lot of names on here that you are not familiar with, I think Colin Morikawa really sticks out. Scotty Scheffler really sticks out and at minus four uh, there's no question about it um where did he go uh, jason day okay after winning the players here what seven years ago jason day now consecutive 70s both on thursday and friday so he finds himself four shots out uh but you know colin morikawa minus six uh, certainly got to keep an eye on him he is two strokes out from the leaders, and Scotty Scheffler ranked number two right now in the world. He's only played 10 holes during his second round. One under today, he is minus five through the early part of the 2023 Players' Championship. All right, we got a lot to do. We got some football. My goodness, some football. I was kind of hoping this would break on Monday but or next week, but uh-uh. They're not waiting uh, in Chicago. They're not waiting in Carolina. They have made a mammoth trade. Number one overall on the move to the Carolina Panthers, courtesy of the Chicago Bears. And this is a great move for Jacksonville. This offseason just continues to get better for Jacksonville. And the reason being, 
I don't know how these quarterbacks are ranked. In my opinion, I think it's Bryce Young who's number one. I could be wrong. Young didn't work out last week. We saw the freakish um, display by Anthony Richardson, and, and that's a mixed bag. People will tell you there's no way he's ready this year, but he could end up having the most talent of them all uh, when it's said and done. Uh, you look at a guy like, uh, like Stroud who threw and Levis who threw. So we don't know for sure. My assumption is it's going to be young. If not, it becomes a surprise with Richardson. But Carolina moves up from 9-1. to one. What that does is to the three teams in the AFC South, who all need a quarterback, and we don't know if Tennessee is going to stick with Tannehill for another year because of that absurd salary cap number that he does have. Let's say the Texans, who select second, or the Colts, who select fourth, absolutely love Young, but they rank the other three quarterbacks significantly below that. And it's the Bears who give up the pick to the Panthers. The Panthers go ahead. They select Young. What is Houston going to do with two? Are they now going to move up and draft a guy that they don't love simply because it is a position of need and you end up grabbing a guy that, that you don't believe can take you to the promised land? Same thing with Indianapolis at number four. So the point I'm trying to make is if there was one and only one and he ends up going to Carolina, that makes things that much sweeter within the AFC South overall for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So that ends up being a really good move uh, for the AFC South, including you out there, the Jaguar fan. So that rolled in again if you're at the golf course, you're unaware. Uh, the terms of the deal, let me give you this before the break. All right, compensation. My gosh, Chicago, they are loaded. They give up number one to Carolina. All right, so the Panthers will select one. Now the the Bears will get the ninth pick overall in this year's draft, courtesy of Carolina. They're going to get the 61st pick in this year's draft, all right, courtesy of Carolina. They're getting a first rounder in 2024. They're getting a second rounder in 2025. And they're also getting wide receiver DJ Moore. So they took a guy with fair share of complaining this past year in Carolina. Another one of those diva wide receivers but four huge picks nine and 61 this year first rounder next year and a second rounder in 2025 all because of the deal that sends number one from chicago to carolina all right opening comments tonight and each and every night brought to you by schmunez vision it's a good thing uh that i go to schmunez vision because let me tell you trying to track that golf ball today can be difficult um i swear by these folks for several reasons, but the number one issue I want to bring up is that they truly are a family organization, all right? They, it's, it's one thing, and I don't care if you're getting your oil changed or you're getting, you know, your back cracked or, you know, if you're getting fitted for golf clubs or what it is. You want special attention, right? I mean, it's you. You don't want to be in and out. You don't want to be a number. You don't want to be a foolish statistic and that's not the way things are at Schmunez Vision all right extra care case in point surgery on my right eye more than eight years ago 
Um, I made the awful mistake recently of, of passing out one night in my bar because I had too many cocktails. I couldn't get the contacts out of my eyes the next morning. You're not supposed to sleep in them. I tell you all the time not to. Guess what? I did. Took it out, scratched my eye, went in immediately, gave me some drops. It went away within a couple of days. We're talking about more than 30 years of experience when it comes to laser eye surgery, cataract surgery, all refractive surgery. Dr. Neil Schmunez, Dr. Catherine Schmunez, set up an appointment today for all of your needs. Can you imagine having laser eye surgery, never having to worry ever again about contacts, about glasses, about finding your readers? Uh-uh. Everything's set in place with your eyes. Make an appointment, 299-2906, or go to schmunezvision.com. All right, we got a lot to do. With you tonight till 8, John Shipley in about 40 minutes will join me. We'll talk the very latest with the Jaguars. As a matter of fact, I'm going to get into that on the other side as well. Everything that is coming to us today from the Players' Championship, some, uh, some nuggets will be rolling in. Unfortunately, play has been suspended once again because of rain. Man, every year it happens. I don't know how it's to say it. You know, I looked the last couple of years when it was still in May, and they completed both of those rounds in, in 2017 and 2018. The players wanted a change. The commissioner wanted a change. A lot of you fans wanted a change. What are you getting? Well, you're getting it here in March. You're dealing with golfers not being able to complete rounds because they're way too slow. And every year you're dealing with Mother Nature, all right? The rain, it has an effect on this tournament. All right, we got a lot to do. 641-1010 on the text line. That is brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. You can also get me on Twitter, Baloo1010XL. We are broadcasting live from Mr. Chubby's Wings in Ponte Vedra. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Ah, the rain, the nasty is here, lightning, you name it. Everyone is scattered. And there's not a lot of places to go. However, right here, Mr. Chubby's Wings, Ponte Vedra Beach. Come on, by. We have 2 for one drafts, 2 for one pitchers, domestics. That includes Miller Lite, good till 8, $3 wells, $3 wines. I'm estimating right now, I'm saying there's 200 people in there. There's 100 and... 60 women, 40 guys, 30 of these men could walk into a gentleman's club with $100 pinned to their forehead, and they wouldn't score. So I'm just throwing it out there. That's the range. They've come here to party with us on 1010XL in 92.5 FM. All right. We have a tie right now, eight under par. That is the score where overall that first wave was up by two strokes today, 74.53 compared to the 72.4 yesterday. And it's amazing because scores actually dropped right before they called it off for the remainder of the day. So out early Thursday, out late Friday, that combination has been spectacular. And we'll see how that changes. Right now it looks like plus one is going to be the cut line. Uh, could fall to plus two, depending on what happens tomorrow morning. If you are wondering, gates will open at 645 tomorrow morning they will resume the second round at seven o'clock they hope to get the third round underway 
sometime between 10.30 and 12.30. And, you know, the way the cuts work, it's going to be plus 70 in ties, 144 golfers out here trying to win the Players' Championship. It is a record-setting $25 million on the PGA Tour, including $4.5 million for the winner. 32 first-timers, yeah, in five of the, what, five of the... Uh, five of the 11 who ended up being ranked tied for six through 18 holes, first-timers. And uh, that just doesn't resonate well for me. I, I, I don't mind, a uh, again, a, uh, a nobody making a run. That's what is incredible about athletics. And also, you know, when you look at a guy like Chad Ramey and others, you can make the case, hey, Baloo, it's not going to matter anyway. Come Saturday afternoon on moving day, these guys will no longer be a part of it. Hopefully they make the cut and around for Saturday so they can at least get a paycheck. But I listen to you. I look at the text line, 641-1010, brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. I'm on my cell phone, social media. People are like, five of the top ten from a year ago aren't here. They're part of the Live Tour. Now you got five guys? Five tied for the top six? Who are playing this for the first time? No. That doesn't add up. So. If anyone needs for this to con continue to play, it's those who go against that. But, uh, again, we'll see how it all ends up shaking out. You hear about Max McGreevy today. Posted an 89. Okay? A 20-stroke difference from Thursday. This guy was 3-under-69 yesterday. Today... He posted an 89, and we saw Aaron Wise put three in the water yesterday. He had a 10 on 17. Again, your leader, the quadruple bogey on 17. My goodness, Chad or Amy ranked 225th in America, according to the World Golf Rankings. Uh, I think he was 149th during the FedEx points, which got him here, uh, but he posted a 7 on the par 3, so he went 4 over and uh, also birdied his first hole. So he's got eight to go. He's dropped four shots already from one day ago. Make that five shots as, uh, no, excuse me, it is four shots after an eight under 64. All right, much more on golf coming up here in a moment. But, you know, Monday is legal tampering day. It's such a great time of year. I mean, the completion of the players, you got Monday legal tampering. That begins at noon, right? At 4 o'clock on Wednesday, the 15th, is when the, the year actually begins. The official start of the National Football League season begins at 4 p.m. on March 15th. And then, of course, we have the NCAA College Basketball Tournament next week with those opening games and four on Thursday, four on Friday. I am told next Thursday, by the way, we're at Mr. Chubby's in Ponte Vedra. Next Thursday, we'll be at Mr. Chubby's Fleming Island. Looking forward to getting out there. So, legal tampering. And, you know, the Jaguars, only two teams have spent more money than Jacksonville so far this offseason when you look at restructuring contracts, right? Jacksonville spent nearly $46 million, $45,595,000. So, I, I think they're about done there. It, it makes you wonder about Jamal Agnew. It makes you wonder about Rayshon Jenkins. It makes you wonder, could they possibly get a deal done with Evan Ingram? All right, they have until July in order for that to happen. Um, could they surprise us and perhaps get a deal done with Josh Allen? I, I don't know. I, I have to believe that when the season begins on Wednesday, that Juwan Taylor is moving on. He is going to take 
the best possible offer that he can get. And you know what? I mean, listen, what's the average contract in the NFL? What's the average life expectancy of a player in the NFL? It's less than four years. This is his one time to get a major payday. I know he wants to play here, and I know that the organization would like to have him back. I've said all along, I'm not paying him. I'm not paying him. I'm not giving him 15 or 16 or 17 or 18 million dollars. Okay, he's been average. He's not a good run blocker, and he performed well during a contract year. So I'm ready to wave goodbye. I am. However, Jacksonville's not going to be busy next week. They don't have the finances to go out and do anything. They have just enough money left to pay their rookie pool. Could they bring in a journeyman offensive lineman, a guy that maybe they can get on the cheap? Now, they're not going to set the market with that next Wednesday. Obviously, you got to let some time go by, maybe a couple of weeks. Hell, they may even wait until after the draft, which, believe it or not, is seven weeks away. Seven weeks from last night away is the NFL draft. Now, 49 days away. It, it, it is just absolutely insane. Uh, to, or actually, 48 days away now. Uh, as to when and in, in just how fast time is moving. But you're accustomed now, Jaguar fans, whether it was the end of the Dave Caldwell regime or the beginning of Trent Bulky, no one has spent more money than Jacksonville. And, you know, I think over the last two years, Trent Bulky's done a really good job with his free agents, particularly a year ago. Now, the three defensive guys he brought in, Two years ago, all right, that, that's a worthy conversation. That, that, that's a six-pack argument. Shaq Griffin was a bust, okay? He just cost way, way, way too much money. Uh, Roy Robertson-Harris a year ago, I don't think he did anything. This year, second half of the season, he ended up being one of their really good players. I, I was surprised that they restructured his deal uh, over some others. And then Rayshon Jenkins had a career year. But what did they think him? Why hasn't anything happened with Rayshon Jenkins? Are they going to let him play out the rest of the year? Are they going to move on? Are they going to perhaps draft a, a rookie um, safety in the first or second round this year? Anyway, the combination of spending in free agency and having the top overall pick in the NFL draft is something you as a fan are used to. Well, that's over now, okay? Now the story has switched, and it becomes, can you re-sign your own players? Can you develop your own players? One of the biggest storylines you're going to hear over the next seven weeks is, what is Jacksonville going to do early in the NFL draft? I'm going to continuously say offensive line. Why? Well, Jawan Taylor is gone. Number two, I'm banking heavily on the development of young players to get better this year. Chad Muma, Devin Lloyd, Trayvon Walker, year three, Andre Sisco. If those four make a move forward like what we did see with Tyson Campbell this past year, that defense is going to end up being that much better because of that reason and that reason only. So, anyway, I understand that, you know, Jaguar fans, you're an intelligent audience, and I'm, I'm not saying that uh, to try to, you know, schmooze up to you on a Friday. That 
that's not my intent. I've always thought that you are good football fans. This is going to be awkward to some of you out there because of what you have expected as of late. But I'm here to also tell you this is best-case scenario, okay? Because free agency, for the most part, is nothing more than a Band-Aid. That's all it is. You win with the draft. You win with developing your players. And all of a sudden, you look at what has happened around here the last couple of years, and you start looking at these prospects and what they could end up being. Could is the key word. I mean, they all going to get better, no doubt. But if they do, then this football team is going to be in real good shape. All right. Um, we're going to do more of this coming up with uh, John Shipley. Uh, he is going to join me at five. Uh, excuse me, at seven o'clock, and I, I do look forward to uh, that conversation with Ship. On the other side, I, I want to touch this because it's, um, it's fascinating to me. Okay, everything changes, right? Look at the players. Remember the old? Uh, you wouldn't remember the media center. Remember the way it used to be, though. You had the stands. You had a couple of little tents around 17. Look at it now. Look at how people are clamoring. We need a new stadium or a, certainly something with a facelift uh, downtown. You look at Major League Baseball, and I do get it. Most of you are like, what? Baseball? I mean, baseball's even still around. I mean, today's kids don't like baseball. It's too boring. Forum. The casual fan doesn't invest in it the way that they once did uh, because it's slow, it's methodical, it's boring. So what are they doing? They're speeding up the game. They're getting ready to speed up college football. If you have not heard, I'm going to share that with you. Now all of a sudden there's talk here about golf, okay? I love golf. I love the patience of golf. I will say this. As a weekend golfer and a guy who may sneak out on a Tuesday, uh, there's nothing that drives me more crazy than the guy who spends way too much time sitting over his ball. Okay? I mean, grab the damn stick, get up to the ball, and swing the club. Now, these players are on the PGA Tour, but they're taking five-plus hours to play golf, and that's too much. All of a sudden, that's become and is becoming more of a stink throughout the PGA Tour and some other places as well, how are you going to enforce speeding up the play of golf? So I'm going to spend a couple of minutes on that on the other side. And again, if you want to uh, give us your opinion, 641-1010, best way to get us is on the text line. Also, you can get me on Twitter. That is Blue1010XL. All right, come on out. Some, uh, I see one table. I see two tables have opened. Here at Mr. Chubby's Wings in Ponte Vedra, we have two-for-one drafts, including Miller Lite. Two-for-one pitchers, that includes Miller Lite. $3 wells, $3 wines. We're going to be here tonight up until 8 o'clock. Of course, the restaurant open all night long, but the happy hour continues tonight up until 8. So we're right down the road from uh, the stadium course. We are at Mr. Chubby's Wings in Ponte Vedra. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. 
All right, second round coverage of the Players' Championship. It has been delayed. They will pick it up again tomorrow morning at 7 o'clock. Gates will open at 645. Uh, I am told now officially, let's see here, 70, 79 golfers are still on the golf course or still have uh, to complete uh, their first round. So, or make that second round. Uh, I apologize. Um, nonetheless, uh, you know, I, I don't want to dwell on this because it, there are certain, I mean, listen, it's Florida. It rains here like daily. I, I, I used to, I fooled my bosses in Chicago when I spent the seven years there. And they actually, I had them believing that I knew something about NASCAR. So they would fly me in every year for the Daytona 500. And it didn't matter what the situation was. I was there the year that, that Dale died. Uh, I think I went to like 25 out of like 27 or 28 Daytona 500s during one stretch. And every year that I'd fly back from Chicago, you understand something. In Chicago every day, I mean, you would literally go weeks in Chicago and you wouldn't even see the sun. And if it did come out, you know, it would go in by, let's say, 3 o'clock um, in the afternoon. Chicago's a wonderful place. It's, it's kind of like that way in life, right? Nothing can be too perfect. If Chicago had Jacksonville weather, Chicago would be absolutely phenomenal. But it's not. It's got terrible weather. It's bad there nine months a year. Uh, but anyway, I'd fly in every year for the Daytona 500 and be like, oh, I can't wait to get to Florida. Every year around Daytona 500, it'd be maybe in the 60s, and it would rain. I mean, how many Daytona 500s have you been to where there was a rain delay or it ended up being canceled? It's the same thing here with the players. Now, they had better, they had more success in May, but they wanted to change this event until March, and that is what you got, okay? I mean, since they moved it back to March in 2019, uh, you have yet to have a tournament, whether it was 2019, 2021, 20, 22, and now 23, and yes, we all understand the pandemic in 2020, but the case being, you have not had a tournament yet without suspension, either because of darkness or because of weather. That That's just part of it. And, you know, I don't care if the players have to make adjustments. It's like I tell you all the time, this show isn't for the players. This show is for the fans of the PGA Tour. I hate it for you. How many people took off today? How many people rolled out and said, man, I, I take one Friday a year off. Okay, you could have chosen next Friday during the NCAA tournament, go to a bar somewhere like here at Mr. Chubby's, drill beers all day, and, and watch 16 games. And who cares what it's like outside? But you're like, no. I'm spending a lot of money on the chalet, I'm corporate, I'm spending a lot of money to entertain clients and guests, and every year it happens, right? I mean, like, my dad's like, hey, man, I'm thinking about coming. I'm like, Dad, you know what? Chances are you'll get here in old rain. And I'm going to stop bitching about it, but they wanted to move it to March. So this is what you got. You're going to get the rain every single year here at the Players' championship all right i don't bet i don't but every once in a while i give you winners the total balls in the water on 17 i said absolutely play the over 55 we had 18 yesterday 
we have 21 so far today at the time of the suspension, and there still is a lot of golfers who are going to have to play 17 because they did not get that opportunity uh, earlier this afternoon or when play was actually canceled at uh, at 427. So, you know, we're talking right now, uh, let's see, we're talking 39. And you still got a lot of golfers to play today. Now, the field, or tomorrow, excuse me, to complete round two, the field will be cut from 144 to 70 plus ties. So, you know, half of the golfers are gone for Thursday and for, for uh, excuse me, for uh, Saturday and for Sunday's round. And they're also the better golfers, right? Those who have not performed well will be gone. Uh, but the flip side of that is the pressure will uh, affect them. And we saw what it did to several golfers so far. I mean, again, we've had 39 that have gone in the water, and all you do is look at a guy like Chad Ramey, um, who put two in the water today and, you know, plus four on the 17th hole. So that seems to be really on at this particular point, plus 39 Again, the total plus 55, but a lot left. And I, I I think most out there, most that I know played for an ace, and you got that right out of the gate. That was insane. I mean, that was like in the first, what, 90 minutes. We saw that by Hayden Buckley uh, yesterday. It went off 10, and obviously on 17, he had the ace. And then uh, others as well like to play over uh, the number, and the number's 55. All right. Back to golf momentarily. I do want to get to the NFL. I want to get to the Jaguars. Let's bring in our buddy John Shipley as we uh, begin the 7 o'clock hour. Uh, a great week for Jacksonville. There's no other way to say it. There really isn't. I mean, the Calvin Wrigley story was absolutely phenomenal. Um, it, it's You can really see the difference even at the golf course. Uh, folks just seem to be smiling there seems to be a little hop in their step. Everything is about getting to the fall and seeing what this football team is going to be like, even though I love each and every day and I'm in no hurry to get there. You can just sense what it's like here uh, in Duval, and it's it's pretty cool to really witness compared to some other years. So let's talk to John Shipley, who uh, actually wrote something good today about some possible surprises that Jacksonville could do in free agency. Again, they don't have the money to spend the way they have in years past, but could they make some moves a little bit later on down the road? So we'll do that with John Shipley as we kick off our second hour. It's great to have you with us. We are live from Mr. Chubby's Wings in Ponte Vedra. Great guest on the Farrah and Farrah phone line. Brought to you by the accident attorneys at Farrah and Farrah. Let's go into the night with Rick Balloon on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, we are absolutely packed here at Mr. Chubby's Wings. Ponte Vedra, we have uh, two-for-one drafts, two-for-one pitchers. That includes Miller Lite for another hour. Happy hour continues. Uh, a couple open tables, but this place is packed. 40 television sets surrounding the restaurant. It's a family-type restaurant. And a lot of folks have obviously made their way for the Players' Championship. It's right down the road. You're getting out of there. And I know folks have been fighting the traffic um, right down A 
1A. All right, let's talk some Jaguar football. Let's do that right now with John Shipley, uh, who joins us right here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Of course, he is with the Jaguar Report, and he goes into the night with Rick Ballou. John, how you doing? Hey, doing good, my friend. How about yourself? I'm doing okay. How was the combine? It, it was a blast. It, it really was. It was uh, my first time, you know, officially making the trip, but definitely I'm going to make it a yearly thing now. It was it was that kind of trip. Like, you just realize that if you want to be somewhere for, you know, the NFL, especially for the offseason, that's the place to be. Yeah, I always liked it better than uh, than Radio Row uh, at the Super Bowl because everyone's always trying to hawk a, a product. I, I thought that just the overall information overload, particularly in like the uh, the media hotel lounge, is is about as as good as anything you'll find year round in the NFL. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it, it was a blast, and just you know being out there for a couple nights and. Really, you know, events like that, uh, obviously the, the Senior Bowl, the Shrine Bowl, like you said, Radio Row. I mean, those are some of the things that really make, uh, you know, covering the NFL great. Uh, we are talking uh, with um, our good friend John Shipley. He joins us from the Jaguars report. Another really great move today that involves the Jaguars because, you know, depending on, uh, on how you rank uh, the quarterbacks and, and what the scenario is, to have Carolina – move all the way up to number one with the Chicago Bears to take a quarterback away from what could be Houston at two or Indy at four ends up indirectly being a huge move here for the Jaguars. Yeah, no, I mean, this is one of those times where, you know, the Jaguars really need to, you know, thank their blessings for having their quarterback situation figured out because you can see just how quickly that if you don't make that aggressive move for your guy, that it just opens the door for the other teams really to be able to dictate the situation and it, you don't have to be the first team to draft a quarterback to land the best quarterback. I mean, Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson went third and fifth. Uh, Justin Herbert, you know, was the third quarterback drafted in his draft class. Patrick Mahomes went after Trubisky. So, you, you know, there are obvious examples of the first team getting it wrong. But there's always a chance now that if you're Houston or Indianapolis, you know, say if Carolina's guy is C.J. Stroud, well, if either Houston or Indianapolis had their eyes on Stroud, you know, they're behind the eight ball a little bit, no matter – what they want to tell themselves about the quarterback class, no team wants to take their quarterback to in the top five. Yep, there's there's no question about it. What was the, you know, I've been to the combine before when there was almost zero talk about the Jaguars. They were basically an afterthought. I can only imagine what it was like while you were there last week. Uh, I, I went to the Senior Bowl in 2020. You know, the last year, the Doug Marone and Dave Caldwell uh, era and the, the difference in, you know, the type of things I was hearing and just the general attitude, you know, toward the Jaguars that this year compared to 2020, I mean, it was, it was like they were playing in a different sport completely. Talking with John Shipley, he joins us from the Jaguar Report, broadcasting live from Mr. Chubby's Wings here. Very loud Mr. Chubby's Wings in uh, <laughs> Ponte Vedra Beach. All right, John, what do you make of uh, the, the entire Calvin Ridley uh, scenario. Um, I was actually very surprised that the NFL responded as quickly as they did. I, I thought that they would, you know, drag their feet perhaps even into April. That certainly was not the case. Yeah, no, I, I thought that Calvin was going to be reinstated, obviously, before the draft, sometime after the combine. I, you know, really thought that it would come maybe closer to next week at the round the start of the league year as compared to when it happened, you know, earlier this week, obviously. But I think it's, you know, best-case scenario for the Jaguars and for Ridley. Uh, obviously, Ridley can now, you know, finally get the weight off his shoulders of not being able 
to be in communication with the team. Him being there Wednesday, they do, you know, rave reviews and everybody inside the building. They say that, you know, he comes off as somebody who's very determined to start off on the right foot in Jacksonville. He's very driven, you know, has a chip on his shoulder after not playing much the last two years. And then I, I think if you read about, you know, obviously his great players should be an article. If you read about what he went through, you know, during the time that he was out of football and during his final years in Atlanta, I think it paints a good context for anybody who maybe has questions about the acquisition. Because, you know, a lot of people's questions are, why did he step away from Atlanta in the first place in 2021? You know, uh, the issues with him obviously being suspended for a year from gambling. And he addressed both of those in the piece. And I thought added, you know, a lot of context that, you know, when you now look back at his decision to step away from the Falcons, it makes much more sense. You know, and, and what is very interesting to me is um, you just look at the skill position guys. And, you know, I was here when in its infancy when you, when you had Jimmy and you had Keenan and when you went out and got Fred Taylor a couple of years later, I guess after the 1997 season, so it would have been in, in, uh, in April of 1998. And, you know, right there, those are two arguably Hall of Famers and a third guy that many believe should have his number retired. So that quality was as good as you'll ever find. But if you look at the quality now of the three wide receivers, the tight end and the running back, I don't think the phrase has ever been said once in this city before, is there enough balls to go around for this football team? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the Jaguars, their entire franchise history, you know, just like you said, outside of a handful of players, Jimmy, Fred, Keenan, you know, guys, uh, obviously Maurice Jones, Drew, it's been a defensive franchise. You know, it's been a franchise that they've never had that high profile quarterback, that high profile pass the game, the guys who are, you know, going early in fantasy drafts, but, I think if you look at the Jaguars' overall skill group now compared to, say, you know, 2021 when Trevor Lawrence was a rookie, that it's probably the best, the most improved overall aspect of the team and where, you know, the Jaguars have done their best work. And, you know, it obviously took some investment. They spent a lot of money to bring those guys in. They made some bold moves, but it was moves that needed to be made. I think it shows how serious they are about, you know, competing for the future because if you're not a serious team, you're not making the moves that they made to get these guys. Are you surprised with any of the moves they made? I mean, the restructuring, uh, Roy Robertson-Harris, is did that surprise you at all, electing to go Evan Ingram as the franchise and and not Juwan Taylor? Anything that they've done that that maybe got you? The Robertson-Harris one, to an extent, surprised me because it feels like when you look at their cap situation now, you know, they kind of had to choose between potentially bringing a guy like Arden Key back well before free agency or if extending Robson Harris and ultimately it seems like you know they picked uh, Robson Harris you know somebody who can fill in inside uh, maybe more consistently whereas he is more of a nickel rusher and then you look at really what Robson Harris did down the stretch and I think that earned him you know a lot of credit inside of the Jaguars building so that maybe surprised me to an extent just because you know for a cap meaty team he seemed like kind of one of the more obvious contracts to move on from but he's also a guy who, you know, he played his best football at the end of the year. They need more guys inside. So to an extent, that made sense. But I mean, all the other moves, you know, were kind of expected. I mean, Bethard maybe to an extent surprised me, but AC seemed like a guy they wanted to bring back. And, you know, obviously overall to this point, the restructures, it seems like those were all guys that still confident in being pillars of the team. So they don't care about moving the money down the road. All right, it appears it's going to be very difficult now to bring back Juwan Taylor. What do you think he's going to command in the open market? Man, 
the vibe in Indianapolis really was, you know, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen million dollars a year, which is, you know, an obviously out, outrageous, you know, money for a right tackle. It's really resetting the right tackle market. But for all the reasons the Jaguars like him, you know, he's a young tackle. I believe he's going to be twenty-five in week one. He's never missed a single start since he was a second-round pick. He's really athletic. He's a good pass blocker. I mean, the, the Jaguars like him for all those reasons, and those are all reasons for other NFL teams to like him. He obviously, you know, he performed really well in some of their big-time performances down the stretch, and I think that also earned him a lot of favor from other teams. So, I mean, that, there's really, you know, there, if you want to talk about Jaguars who had buzz among, you know, other teams at Indianapolis, it's Jawan Taylor. Yeah, and, and, and we'll obviously talk much more about this as we get closer to the draft, but, again, you just got back from the combine. See, I'm huge here on the offensive line, and, you know, obviously Little could get an opportunity at right tackle. He's better suited at left, and, you know, they could go left guard uh, as well. But my opinion on this, John, is you've got all this skill position uh, players. You, you have the quarterback of the future. I think defensively, if Cisco gets better and if Walker gets better and Muma gets better and Lloyd gets better, if they develop and get better, the defense is going to get better. So I'm selecting an offensive lineman in the first round. How do you feel about that? I mean, I don't think it's a bad idea because uh, you look at how their offensive line ended the year last year. You know, they had three of their week one starters were hurt. You know, Cam Robinson and Ben Bartsch obviously for the year. Brandon Sheriff was just, it seemed like was racking up, you know, injuries as the season obviously went on as he was playing, you know, not at 100% in the playoffs. He really was battling through some stuff. Then he had the rookie center, backup left guard, walk a little, filling in when he could. I mean, Juwan Taylor was arguably their most valuable lineman a year ago, and now he's, you know, probably moving on. So that's, that is a position group I think that you do have to address to some extent, whether that means taking a guy at 24 who, maybe plays inside for a year before bumping back outside, you know, a year down the road, or maybe even walk a little playing inside. You know, they they need to look at all their options because, I mean, you subtract Jawan Taylor from this group, and it, it, it is an offensive line that does need to be restocked a bit. Yeah, I don't care if it's a tackle or guard. I don't care if it's right out of Tennessee or Torrance out of Florida. I mean, Torrance played what? Left, uh, left guard, and then he transferred to Florida. He played right guard. So th- there's a guy there who's played both positions. Um, any move they make there, uh, plus I want another guy on a rookie contract on that offensive line. Yeah, no, I think it makes a lot of sense. And I really think one guy to watch would maybe be DeWan Jones out of Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, he's he's absolutely massive, you know, 6'8". Uh, he, he came in on the combine at 370. It wouldn't surprise me if teams wanted him to lose a little bit of weight, but I mean, he's absolutely massive. And you know, he, he pretty much looks like a mirror image of a guy, Jim Balky drafted with the 49ers, who he has said before is one of his favorite prospects in Trent Brown. Hey, leave us with this. I know you wrote about it, and uh, you can read the uh, the Jaguar report. Just go to uh, to John Shipley on Twitter. Uh, this is going to be a different year with the legal tampering period on Monday and free agency officially getting underway on Wednesday. Jacksonville just doesn't have the money that they've had the last several years. So uh, give us a couple of under-the-radar guys that you think Jacksonville could make a run at. Yeah, no, I think Sean Murphy Bunting makes a lot of sense to them. He's a guy who, you know, he, he's played inside, he's played outside, former second-round pick, really good athlete. He had a really productive first few seasons in the league, and then he's been hurt the last few years. So you can probably get him on the discount. I think Puna Ford, you know, from the Seahawks, he's a really good, you know, interior sub-package kind of pass rusher. 
uh, a guy that I think they need inside, you know, especially when you consider Arnie Key and DeWan Smoot look like they're set to hit free agency. And then, you know, if, if they're able to make the money work, if there's one big name that I think they should go after, it's Zach Allen from the Arizona Cardinals. You know, he can play all over the defensive line. He can rush inside. He can rush outside. 26 years old and should only get better. John Shipley, you can get him on Twitter, John underscore Shipley. You can also go to Jaguar Report, and we appreciate him joining us here with Rick Ballew on the home of the Jaguars. John, have an outstanding weekend. We'll do it again soon. Thank you. Right, thank you, my friend. There he goes, John Shipley. Good stuff. Um, uh, you know, I feel like I'm behind the eight ball this year when it comes to the draft, and I, and I say that proudly because you know I've been doing this for 30 plus years and the last several years have really sucked we've been talking about the NFL draft since freaking November and this year that wasn't the case because of January football but it just feels like every almost daily or if not every other day there's something happening with the Jaguars there's a positive story here there's a positive story there and you know, it's taken up most of our time. So now all of a sudden it's like, hey, the NFL draft is in seven Thursdays. It's amazing. And it's going to be a totally different feel because, you know, you're used to going downtown and, and going to the stadium and, and having the top overall pick. Are they even going to have a party for the 24th pick in the first round? I mean, when's that going to happen? At 11, 1130 on a, on a Thursday night. But this is what happens to good teams. And, you know, I, I understand that next week for some of you is going to be like, ah, you know, I was hoping they could make a run at this free agent. I was hoping they could make a run at that free agent. And, you know, I mean, say what you want. A lot of people thought that Jacksonville overpaid in their last two classes. I, I disagree with that for the most part, okay? For, for, the, for the free agents that have worked, I think they ended up being good contracts. And, and again, regardless of what you think about Trent Bulky, all right? And obviously that opinion is changed by many. If you hear any one of your knucklehead friends tell you that Trent Bulky doesn't know how to manage the salary cap, that's wrong, okay? If you want to critique his drafting, critique his free agency selections, critique his trades, have at it. But don't make the mistake of saying that this man does not know how to put together free agency contracts because they're basically two-year deals. And he's done it wonderfully. Um, look at Cam Robinson. He just extended. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have paid Cam Robinson. I'm not going to pay Juwan Taylor. I, I thought they were very average tackles. Shipley made good points. He never missed uh, a start. He hardly missed a snap. I mean, he came out for what? One series, and Little came in, and then Cam went down. So Little had to go from the right tackle position to the left tackle position. And despite the injury, Juwan Taylor came back into the game and played. So he was durable. Um, but, you know, it, 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 as far as I'm concerned, um, you look at, like, his in, in year two, his cap figure... If you were to say goodbye to him, I think it's like $28 million dead money. You, you can't. Yeah, it, it seems like daily I'll get a text that'll say, hey, Baloo, 
re-sign Juwan Taylor, package a trade for Cam. You can't. Financially speaking, the way the contract is written, you cannot move him. Now, year three, if he doesn't play well next year at this time, that $28 million cap fee, uh, dead cap money, becomes $5 million. Every contract that he writes gives you the ability to get out of after two years. So take that with you. I mean, that was the same thing for the three defensive players that he brought in two years ago, and that certainly came into play with everyone he signed a year ago. Now, we've seen some restructured deals with Brandon Sheriff and Zay Jones and Christian Kirk and stuff like that where more money has been freed, but that's by design because they would like them to be around for more than just the two years. All right, we got much more to get into. I, I want to uh, once again go through what has happened here today during the second round of the players. Um, obviously, play suspended because of weather, rain once again. And, you know, I did hear their explanation, and it's the right move. Because there was some talk when it was canceled at 427 that, you know, they'd wait for the weather to come through. And then the golfers would get an opportunity to go back out there and play. Uh, but the two reasons, number one, they wanted you to get out of there. Okay, they did it in a time period where you could get back to your vehicle. The last place you want to be is out in the middle of a golf course if there's lightning. And secondly, they didn't think that they could delay this for no matter how much time it would be, then have these guys warm up and go back out and complete the remaining holes that they did not play. So instead, gates open at 6.45 in the morning. Second round coverage begins at 7 a.m. They hope to have everything complete sometime around 10, 10.30, and then they will make the cuts, which are the top 70 in ties out of the 144 golfers, and we'll get ready for the weekend. Third round coverage will hopefully begin, I'm guessing, at some point either late in the 11 o'clock hour, if not right around 12, 12.30 coming up on Saturday. We got much more to do. We're at Mr. Chubby's Wings in Ponte Vedra Beach. We're going to be here with you up until 8 o'clock. We have two-for-one drafts, two-for-one pitchers. That includes Miller Lite. Also $3 wells, $3 wines. So come on out. Great crowd on hand. We're at Mr. Chubby's Wings in Ponte Vedra. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, second round coverage delayed from the Players' Championship. They'll make it up tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Christian Bazaden out, 8 under. Adam Svensson, 8 under. Uh, Bazaden out has five holes remaining. On his second round, let's see, I believe he played the backside first today. He did. What a clean card. He had a birdie on 11, a birdie on 16, so he went out. Uh, excuse me. He, yeah, he went out with a 34. And uh, let's see. Coming in, he birdied one. He birdied four. Just had a par in five. So he has four holes remaining. And he is at eight under par. Adam Svensson, all right, another rookie out here on the PGA Tour. Same deal. Uh, he, let's see, birdies on 11, birdies on 16, so he went out 
at a two under 34. Then he birdied two in a row. Number one, number two, before the horn did bring him in. So he has got, let's see, seven holes to go. Wow. I mean, you birdied three out of your last five holes, including two in a row, and you have to come in. I mean, I understand coming in if you're not playing well, but if you're playing the way that those two gentlemen are, you want to continue. One of the great stories of the day, if you have not heard, is with Jordan Spieth. Now, they extended number nine. You know, all the talk around here is 16, 17, and 18. So yesterday, the par three eighth hole was playing as the most difficult hole on the golf course. Certainly the most difficult par three on the golf course. I, I didn't see the final averages that were uh, totaled after the completion of uh, the first round, you know, earlier this morning. But they extended nine, and, you know, they want to make it a three-shot golf course where the Bombers are able to get on the green uh, in two. So they attempted to change that around. If you're not aware of what took place today, okay, Spieth went way, way right on his closing hole, the par 5 ninth, uh, to the point where, I mean, it was going to go in the water. And if for those of you who don't know the golf course that well, uh, 9 and 18 is, is separated by a body of water. And it hit a, it hit a, go, it, it hit a fan, a ball that was going to go deep into the water, okay? It hit a fan, popped right back into the fairway, uh, after that, Spieth, 200-plus yards, I want to say it was 277 yards, was able to leave it right in the beginning part of the, uh, right off the green into, um, you know, the first cut. And he birdied with a wedge to now, it appears, make the cut by one stroke. And obviously, if that ball had gone on the water, he would have already left. He would not be around for the weekend. Uh, I thought it was fascinating because, you know, when you're an athlete, regardless of what the situation is, sometimes you really search for honesty. Well, Spieth was asked about this a couple of hours ago. Here's his reaction. Only looking forward now, I got an extremely lucky break on number nine, or I wouldn't wouldn't be playing the weekend. So trying to try to get that guy's information and see literally whatever he wants this weekend because everything um, from here on out is because it hit him. So, um, yeah, very fortunate. Um, can't say I deserved it, but, um, you know, I tried to hold hold my attitude together and just keep on focusing on trying one foot in front of the other. And um, I don't know if that means I got rewarded for that or what, but overall I got very, very fortunate on nine. So an eagle on number nine for Jordan Spieth. I, I, uh, it was actually his third shot that he chipped in. So, you know, he picked up two strokes after a bogey on eight, the difficult playing par th third, uh, or the par three eighth hole. And again, to have an eagle on number nine to now apparently make the cut is, uh, is just an incredible story. What are you asking for in a situation like that? Dylan, what are you going to ask for? And, you know, don't tell me an autograph or something like that. I mean, this is Jordan Spieth. He's got millions and millions and millions of dollars. What are you going to ask for? Man, a couple hundred dollars at the gift shop, minimum. Yeah. And actually, mm -hmm. we just got one on the text line from 2205 that 
uh, someone said it was actually an eagle on nine for Spieth. Yeah, it was an eagle. It, it was. Uh, I just said that a second ago. Okay. Yeah, it was an eagle on uh, on number nine. Yeah. After the bogey on uh, on number eight. Yeah, I'd yep. probably say at least five hundred dollars. Just do whatever you want at the TPC. Food, souvenirs, whatever. That, that's the minimum, I would say. Yeah, I, I don't know what, you know, I mean, to me it wouldn't matter that much at all at this age, but uh, I imagine this guy was probably a lot younger and some things like that. I, You know, I, maybe a lesson, a golf lesson, 18 holes with, um, with Jordan Spieth, you know, next year. When he comes in, and if he goes from Bay Hill to here, can you get out on a Monday or a Tuesday and play a practice round somewhere with him or, or something like that? I, I I would have to believe that that would be pretty cool. I can't think of things that would be much better than that. So it appears Jordan Spieth is going to be around for the weekend again. After the bogey on eight, he chipped in for eagle on nine. Right now, currently, Spieth uh, is at even par and that is amazing i mean he was a 69 yesterday right three under and a 75 today uh which obviously is three over so he's even for the round it, he's missed five out of the last seven cuts he has not played well here and again he definitely did so yesterday uh but six strokes more today 69 to 75 that's nothing compared to our uh buddy who went 69 89, and one of the craziest things that we have ever heard of here at the Players' Championship, that is Max McGreevy. After going three under 69 on Thursday, he shot an 89 today at the Players. Insane. All right, what do you got for us, Dylan? I know you got a little giveaway. Yes, I got a $15 gift card to the Goat Tapas Bar, and I will take the caller number three, since you were talking about NASCAR earlier, Dale Earnhardt, uh, 641-1010. All right. Now, wh what did you say that was, the goat tapas bar? Yes. Okay. I thought for a minute, I thought you said topless bar. <laughs> no, where is that bar at? All right. Now, listen, I love it. Great food. No doubt. You got a, what, a $15 gift card? Yeah. What, what can we get there? About a, about a drink or two, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, a couple of drinks, something that, yeah, have appetizer. a great time. Absolutely. So uh, what are you going to do? Take caller what? Caller number three, 641-1010. There you go. And congratulations to the winner. Uh, you'll get an opportunity to talk with uh, Dylan Denmark as well. All right, let me come back. Let's wrap it up by looking at the leaderboard, get you ready for uh, tomorrow. And, um, again, the completion of the second round will be at 7 a.m. Hopefully the start of the third round will be right around noon and with 70-plus golfers, 70-plus ties, um, they'll be able to fit everyone in, hopefully Saturday, and then the completion coming up on Sunday. We'll put the final spin on things right here live from Mr. Chubby's Wings. We are in Ponte Vedra here tonight till 8 o'clock. Two-for-one drafts, two-for-one pitchers. That includes Miller Lite. Come on out, say hello. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, busy day today as well as well in the NFL with all the talk here obviously being second-round coverage of the Players' Championship. If you have not heard, Carolina now has the top overall pick in the NFL draft. The Bears gave it up today a ton of compensation. 
on the way to Chicago. I mean, this could be the start of something great for the Bears. The Bears get in return number nine, number 61, a first-round pick in 2024, a second-round pick in 2025, and wide receiver DJ Moore. Two other major stories today in the NFL. Green Bay, their CEO, announced this afternoon that they're going to do everything they can to move Aaron Rodgers. Mark Murphy came out and basically said, it's it. It's over. And I don't blame him. As great as he is, what, two years ago he won an MVP? Three years ago he won an MVP? Last year he didn't know his wide receivers' names. I mean, he became like the Urban Meyer of quarterbacks. And he's 39. He's a very selfish guy. He's a very weird guy. So it appears they're going to move along for him. Old friend James Robinson, not tendered in New York as a restricted free agent. Therefore, he will be free to sign with anyone when the league year officially does begin. Wednesday at 4 o'clock on March 15th. Of course, the legal tampering period will get underway at noon on Monday the 13th. Before we wrap it up by looking at the leaderboard, do you have a winner to our $15 gift certificate, Dylan? His name is Mr. Alan Brown. Mr. Alan Brown, and he wins a $15 gift card to? The Goat Tapas Bar, not Topless Bar. Top Tapas. I got to check that out. Yeah, I did some tapas over in uh, Costa Rica, and it was really good. So I'm going to have to check this place out. Looking forward to it. All right, first round uh, complete early this morning. One uh, Early this morning, 21 golfers had to wrap things up. All right, then they began the second round, and we've had massive changes amongst the leaders. Uh, the big story of the day is four under so far for uh, Christian Bazadenau. He is at four under through 14. Okay, minus eight overall along with Adam Svensson. All right, so this is the first ever Players' Championship for Svensson, and if you go back to uh, out the year of COVID, how weird was that on that Thursday? I mean, just bizarre. Remember, the round was complete, and all of a sudden we got information that fans were not allowed back in for Friday, and only the media could get there, and then a few hours later we're told everyone is not coming back. And then I it was I was on the air and some game in the NBA had gotten canceled. And then everything started changing. My gosh, that was absolutely dreadful a couple of years ago. Ben Griffin, a uh, 71 today. So he is officially your clubhouse leader at uh, at 68 because obviously Svensson and Bazadenout have not completed their second round. All right, let me give you some other notables here. Colin Morikawa, after a 65 yesterday where he had eight one putts in 10 holes and also burned uh, the edge coming in on his last three holes. He very easily could have shot a 62 yesterday. Plus one today, but in real good shape at six under. Uh, Min, Min Woo Lee as well is at uh, minus six. All right. Some other golfers at uh, five under par include Taylor Pendrith from Canada, Scotty Scheffler 
Uh, minus five, one under today. He has played ten. Will Gordon had the best round, completed round, on this Friday. A 67 today for Will Gordon. So he's put himself in pretty good shape. He is at four under par. Obviously, he'll be around for the cut. And the good news for a golfer like him is he doesn't have to get up tomorrow morning and complete his second round. Jason Day's playing some really good golf. He won this event here seven years ago. Consistent 70s on Thursday and Friday, so he sits at four under. Victor Hovland completed his round of 71 today after a 69 on Thursday. Still in really good shape at minus four. You have Denny McCarthy at minus four. B.H. Ann at minus four. Chad Ramey, if you have not heard your leader yesterday after a Eight under 64, the quadruple bogey on 17. He posted a seven, all right? Savaged par on 18 with a 30-footer, and then bogeyed one. So he's got eight holes to go in his second round. He's in danger of completely falling apart and not being around for the weekend. Adam Hadwin, four under par, still holds the play. He's got 11 left to play. Uh, some notables at three under. Former Masters champion Danny Willett, Brandon Wu, Cam Davis, all at three under with more work to do on the course. David Lingmurth always plays the event here well at the Players Lives, uh, either in Ponte Vedra and or Atlantic Beach. He is at three under uh, through uh, seven holes. So he's played amongst the fewest holes during his second round. Gary Woodland at minus two. Sam Burns at minus two. They've completed 36 holes. Uh, Wyndham Clark minus two. Dylan Wu minus two. Brendan Todd minus two. Still with four, make that five holes to go on the front side for uh, for Wu. Uh, former champion here at the Players, Si Woo Kim. 69 yesterday, two under overall through 12. That gives him a plus one so far today. Tyrell Hatton's a guy that a lot of people like, all right? He's cash his checks, playing some solid golf. 72 yesterday, two under today, six holes to go. But still, he is in red figures at minus two. Ricky Fowler won this event, uh, as we know, and one of the most incredible come from behind victories of all time. Where do you go? Minus five, I want to say, in the last four holes uh, to force that playoff a few years ago. And even par 72 on Thursday, two under today. So he is in red figures at minus two. Justin Rose, minus two. He's got eight holes to go. Uh, some other notables in red figures at one other include Lucas Glover, Joel Damon, Aaron Baddeley, Chesson Hadley. Actually, check that. Hadley is even par, a 71 yesterday, a 73 today. Some other golfers who are even par, which is good enough to make the cut. That includes Francesco Molinari, Max Homa. Uh, we just talked about Jordan Spieth, the eagle on nine, his 18th hole. He posted a three on the par five ninth hole. Cameron Young is even. Uh, Kevin Streelman, last year's first round leader, Tommy Fleetwood, shot a 66 a year ago, shot a 72 yesterday. He has five holes to go, but he is even par. Keith Mitchell's a guy a lot of people took as their quote-unquote long shot.
He's playing at even par. He's got six holes to go. Former uh, Players Champion Adam Scott. What did he win here in 2003, 2004? Remember, he got in trouble on 18 coming in, actually put it on the put it in the water. It looks like he's got a real good chance to be around for the weekend. He's got eight holes remaining. He is at even par. All right, let me give you some other notables out of the 144 golfers who are here. Will Zalatoris, plus one. That should be good enough to make the cut. Xander Shoffley has completed 36 holes, plus one. Scott Stallings, plus one. Sam Ryder, plus one. Uh, and that's about it for the plus ones. That is the projected cut line. So the following golfers, it appears, are going to go home. Justin Thomas, 73-73, plus two. Unless something really happens tomorrow, he will be sent away. And I have to believe, even though you have that sub-air uh, compressor, under the greens that literally vacuum the water out, it's still going to be a soft approach, right? The f look how firm that these greens have been. They've got to soften. So I'm expecting these players to go low upon their completion of their second round tomorrow morning. Obviously, wind can affect that, but I don't think he's going to be around. Shane Lowry, Tom Hoagie uh, will be going home as well. Some other notables, some big names. Tony Finau plus two. He's got eight holes to go. And uh, that's Matt Kuchar. Man, Matt Kuchar went 70, 78. Is that my theme music I hear? Are we out of here? That is it. We are out of time. Billy Horschel plus five. He's got eight holes to make up probably four strokes in order to make the cut. That's going to do it, folks. I'll see you out there this weekend. Thank you to Dylan Denmark, Richie Clemens. I will talk with you next Monday at 6 o'clock. Have a great weekend.